and welcome to the Stealthy Auto Show. I'm Sean Smith and I have a cold. I'm joined by Sam Green. Hello. And Christopher Strickland. Hello. Who doesn't have a cold? No. Congratulations for, for that. Well done. Yeah, neither do I. I'm just saying that. So that means you two can do all the talking this episode. Oh, okay. No, you're all right. We want to ruin your voice. <laughs> let's, um, let's get into it. So uh, it's the last podcast of the year. 21, 2021 has been a year much like 2020 in fact most people think it's the same thing because it basically was it certainly feels like it doesn't it yeah but uh, that's okay because motorsport is never the same uh so we've now come to the end of year motorsport awards across of motorsport and the world and we're going to give give awards to it so there yeah should we start yeah shall we yeah. begin at the top yes we've uh put literally minutes of discussion into the awards this year um some effort in with respect we've we me and sean have been putting this list together for like a good couple of weeks and then cree came in about an hour ago and told us <laughs> we we're all wrong so came in and just went are ah, you wrong and now we spent the last hour changing it yeah it's basically been an argument but now we're fine we all agree exactly so so we'll begin at the top of the sheet Let's shall we do it so, the number one award from Stelvio Automotive is for the Driver of the Year. And the nominations are Pierre Gasly, Alex Pelot, George Russell, Ash Sutton, Sebastian Auger, Nick DeFries, Carlos Sainz Jr., Oscar Piastri, uh, and uh, Lewis Hamilton, and Max Verstappen. Lots of nominations. Uh, Plenty of them. Well, it's across the entire board, isn't it? It is. It it's also is, our yeah. most our most populated. Um, well, I think our most populated section. So that's fine. Uh, Sam, who is the winner? Now, the winner of Driver of the Year for 2021 is Alex Palau, the new IndyCar, IndyCar champion, the first yeah. Spanish champion of IndyCar, and the most deserving champion here. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's not. No, no, I think Ash did a really good job. To be fair to him, okay, that's a fair point. He's one what of the most. That? Okay, he's the most deserving world champion here. Okay, uh, well, I'll give you that. So let's 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 start with the elephant elephant in the room. Why have we not picked Hamilton or Verstappen? Well, because. I suppose it's by default that Max won, I suppose, if you want to go for that. If you want to say that, and it's not really... Maybe in the future people will see it as being not quite a 100% his win, but you can't just look at the last race and say, oh, well, he doesn't deserve it because he was given to him. Throughout the entire season, it was a match for Hamilton, who we know is and has been the best driver over the past decade. Yeah. In, I, I mean, agree, I agree that he's in the best car, but, you know, you just look at... Turkey in 2020, and then Brazil in 2021. You can't say they weren't down to the, the car alone. It was down to Hamilton being an absolute boss. But, you know, I, I understand why Alex Pelot has got it, because he's beaten Scott Dixon, who himself is a six-time IndyCar champion. And that's, you know, something to something not to sniff at. But I just think Max has taken it to Mercedes and, and Hamilton and came out on top, albeit in a cloud of you know right that's not the reason I, i'm not giving it to max or lewis the reason i'm giving it to Pelot is because he won it so cleanly he did 
He didn't put a step wrong all year. Uh, whereas F1, you had just the bitterness on and off the track between the drivers, the teams, the personnel. And it, I just don't think either of them with their on-track actions deserved it as much as Alex Pelot earned his title. Yeah, I would I'd agree with that. I think um, there was too much politics in F1 this year, whereas in IndyCar it was very much allowed did exactly what he needed to do to beat his, let's face it, in the same team, his teammate, Scott Dixon, who is, what, six times NASCAR, uh, not uh, IndyCar champion. Yep. So, I mean, he's clearly, coming into this season, Alex Palau, having not even won a race, was the number two. And he's taken that, run with it, and managed to win the championship. And I think that's mighty impressive. Even outside of Pens uh, um, of uh, Chip Ganassi, you know, you've got Penske, who literally own IndyCar. Yeah. Um, they've got the driver's calibre of Joseph Newgarden, uh, Will Power, when he can be bothered to turn up on a race weekend. Um Simon Pagano, who may not have been as strong as he used to be, but he is still someone who can win races. Uh, you know, it's not as if... It's not like F1, where if you're in the best car, you've got a 1-in-4 chance or a 1-in-2 chance of winning the championship. IndyCar yeah. is not the same. You, there, there are sometimes as many as 6 cars, 7 cars, 8 cars, who could feasibly have a chance of the title every year. Yeah, exactly. And, as, and because the cars are identical, it does... A lot of the time, it will come down to the team and the setup. You're right, but also, I think um, worth noting that it's um, it is always really close in IndyCar. The racing is very good, and you can have, you can easily have a bad weekend um, where you don't score or something just goes a bit wrong on the car. You get caught up in someone else's accident or Which something in like IndyCar, that. I mean, that really was what did it for Colton Herter through the year. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, and, it wasn't necessarily and, um, his mistakes. It was someone else's mistakes that yeah, he got caught in. Exactly the same with... Um, uh, uh, what's his name? I've forgotten his name. He's got an Irish name, but he's Mexican. <laughs> Pato Ward. Yeah, Pato Ward. Um, yeah, in the got, McLaren. I think he had a great season, Pato Ward. I mean, he, I would be tempted to put him on the list as well, but it was already quite long. Um, yeah. But it's that you know that is the reason I'm giving it to Pelot, and why I think Sam agrees with me generally. It's just the fact that yeah. against very stiff opposition, he did it so cleanly. Um, whereas Verstappen and Hamilton didn't, uh, and the others, you know, let's talk about the non-championship contenders. You know, well, in fact, no, De Vries as well. De Vries is interesting because he won Formula E at his first attempt after winning F2 last year, I believe. The year before. Year before. Um, was it his first attendant or was he there last year? I think he I'm was sure there for was some of it last year. Okay. I don't think he was there for the whole thing, was he? No. I no, think he was Stoffel. Of course, yeah. Because, yeah, you're right, because um, Mick Schumacher is obviously defending F2 champion. Um, yeah, so, De Vries, excellent <laughs> season. However, Formula E, its problem is it causes crashes and arguments and you know similar kind of unnecessary drama off the track and on it um, can i just make a point yes. can i just make a point yes you can not personality of the year because if it was personality of the year i would agree alex Pelot is a deserving winner it's the on-track driving of the year 
you know it's the bloke behind it doesn't the bloke behind the wheel doesn't really matter it's how he drives the car for the year you know it's the driver of the year well in that case sebastian Ogier wins it yeah, for winning it in doing well in WRC, um, or Oscar Piastri for winning three championships in three years. Exactly. That's that would be my opinion to the argument. It of definitely doesn't go to Verstappen or Hamilton. And all the other bits and pieces <laughs> is it's the driving of the driver of the year, in my opinion, anyway. But I, I mean, we're a democracy, and I'm happy to concede that Alex Pillow is the driver of the year. That's absolutely fine. But I'd just Good. like to say that it it's not down to the. It shouldn't be down to just the personality. It but, should be uh, how they drive. No, because the end of the day, dri- racing drivers are role models. Um, I would agree. And that's, I mean, that really, it does make a big difference, you know, with Hamilton Verstappen. I can't give them an award for their attitudes this year and how they've acted. I mean, yeah, look at, look at the problem that we have with the fan bases now that we haven't yeah, had in previous hard. years. That's entirely because of Max and Lewis, let's face it, that's not because of Carlos Sainz or Pierre Gasly, is it? Um, or even George Russell, who are all on this list as well. Um, and I think George did superb things in the Williams. Pierre did very, very, um, like, way outperformed what I thought the AlphaTauri was going to do this year. So did George. And Carlos, arguably, at times, was carrying Ferrari, um, was way way more consistent than his teammate and if not maybe slightly quicker in places as well um so i think it's yeah there's a, everyone on this list has got a very very good reason for being there and but, but i think palau just sums it all up yeah he's gonna be good for indycar because he's a european champion as well which will open indycar up to more people in europe especially in spain let's face it um, he he beat a veteran teammate to the championship, which doesn't happen often. That'd be like George Russell winning it next year. Let's yeah, face it. Um, <laughs> um, or Pierre randomly beating Vettel. Um, but um, yeah, I just yeah, I think Palau sums it all up in a nice, nice package. Really, he's yeah. He, when you see him in interviews, he's still quite a young driver actually as well. So he's going to be in the sport for a while. I think he's 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 happy to do those interviews and everything. He's he's content where he is. He likes IndyCar, um, and he's very quick as well. So there you go, Alex Palau, the first winner of a Stilby Automotive Motorsport Award in 2021. Congratulations. Yes. Well let's, done. Let's move on to a less contentious subject: <laughs> <laughs> the car of the year. Uh, the mentions the sorry the. Uh, Nominations are the AlphaTauri ATO2, the Toyota GR10, the Toyota GR Yaris WRC car, the Glickenhaus SCG007, the Nissan GTR R35 Super GT car, and the Subaru BRZ GT300. Yes, and the winner, Cree, is... That's the Toyota GR Yaris WRC car, because it won 9 out of its 11 races this year. Yeah. Which is and that's not just in itself. Yeah, and and as Al always tells us, to win one rally is pretty impressive. To win nine out of eleven is phenomenal. Because of the so the much that can go wrong in one in rallying. <clears throat> it did win the world championship. Um <laughs> Ogier won the drivers championship and um of and obviously the uh 
team's championship as well went to Toyota. Yeah. The rules were quite stable this year. They did quite a lot. They, they did the same. WIC did the same thing that um, F1 did and a few other championships where they just froze the regulations, just said, just use your car next year as you did this year, and you're allowed to change it. Change some slight modifications, but you're not allowed a new one. So the fact that they refined it to become such a dominant car when everybody else was doing the same thing just, you know, sort of adds to the level of of dominance. Yeah, I mean, Toyota had 520 points this year. Hyundai in second at 460. So I think that shows the dominance that Toyota had. Um, in a lot of the rallies that they that they did, and obviously it, the way that I don't not hundred percent sure how the team standings work for um, it's probably um, I think it's, it's top two results. It's probably looking the same, at. yeah, same as MotoGP, where it's like your top you nominate your point scorers or something like that, or it's your best. Yeah, team. I think you've got your best two looking at the way that it seems to be scored. So, but I mean to win. Like we said, to win nine out of the eleven rallies, and these are kind, these are arguably the fastest WRC cars ever, as well, because they're way quicker than Group B now. They just don't crash as much. Um, so I just, yeah, they're just phenomenal cars, and the Toyota is the best of a group of phenomenal cars. Yeah, let's talk about the other the uh, other nominations. So let's start with in Japan. So uh, stay in Japan, actually. Uh, Subaru's BRZ GT300 Cree. That was your nomination. Yeah, that was my nomination. That was predominantly down to the fact that last year's car of the year, the Supra or the Green Brave Supra GT300, um, lost to the BRZ, and the BRZ, I believe, was in its first year as well. Um, it was new, yeah, new car this year, wasn't it? Was it was a brand it, new yeah, car this new, year. It, they've had a BRZ before, but it's not the same as this one. No, they had the old BRZ, which was based on the GT86. But no, this is a brand new. Oh, sorry, the brand new BRZ platform um, that they entered this year. And in my opinion, for the fact that it didn't just beat one Supra, it beat a second one. I can't remember the team that ran it. It was the Patrona sponsored car. Mm, uh, it's the yeah, same yeah, Green Brave, isn't it? But not. Exactly, yeah. I think that was the. I think that came second in the championship. Um. But yeah, not only to beat one Super, but to beat a second one as well. And on your debut season, uh, I just think it's an outstanding um, achievement for the team. Yeah. Uh, and that's why it's my, um, would be my car of the year, personally. Uh, but it's a similar sort of instinct. Um, Toyota's other mentioned the GR10 WC car. I mean, <laughs> sure, the rules didn't really allow the Alpine to give it a completely fair fight. But it's still finished every race it still it, it didn't have the problems of unreliability it's a, it was a, it's a good car certainly was glick and house, glick and house i think I, I put them sort of not as pity it's more good for their lamont performance because they had had a pretty bad first couple of races um at um portugal and wherever the other race was um but they came to lamont they huh? Second, Spa, it might, Spa, it might have been Spa. Um, it's either Spa, it's, it was either Spa or Poor Ricard. Um, but yeah, uh, Glickenhaus. They came to Le Mans. They actually were competitive. They weren't fighting the LMP2 cars. They were like up there with the Alpine and the GR10s. 
Well, they pushed the Alpine to the end, I think. Yeah. That's right. It, it's, got, it's right to say that they pushed the Alpine to the end. They, they were never going to beat it, but they certainly pushed it to the end. Yeah. And for a, you know, com- compare Toyota, which is the biggest car manufacturer in the world, to Glickenhaus, who are not. It's a yeah. good, good effort. Absolutely. Uh, it really is. Similarly, Alpha Tauri, you know, we always, I always call them Minardi because the Forenza Base squad are pittance in terms of their size compared to. Red Bull Racing uh, and other F1 teams and as we said earlier Gasly basically single-handedly did an amazing job with that car but actually Yuki had points where Yuki Tsunoda had points where he was well up there as well yeah, in terms so of the time to get there. yeah it, it did well, take no, yeah, a while yeah. he's a rookie as well so like give him some credit with that but, but I I think it's, it's clearly a good right? car it's clearly a good car and yeah, he he got a P was it P four or P five at Abu Dhabi? Yeah, no, he got P four at Abu Dhabi, and then didn't he get was it fifth at Bahrain because he overtook Alonso? Something like that. Uh, Seven. Yeah. He got points. Put it that the way. The start of the year was good. And the well, I think he basically had a really good start. People hyped him up, and then he had a bad race, and his confidence went through the floor, and it took him three quarters of a season to get it back again. And yeah. then it showed it's sort of the last two. You still agree? And that move on, uh, the move on Bottas was, whoa, what a move. That's good oversight, wasn't it? Max Verstappen needs to have a look at that and, and somebody needs to tell him that's how you're meant to overtake. <laughs> <laughs> um, last on this list is the Nissan GTR R35. Um that's a sad honourable mention, that, because it's the end of an era. Yeah, it's kind of a lifetime achievement award, that one, isn't it? The nomination for yeah. this. Because it's, it's been a, a very, very good car, the GT500 in GT500, for a number of years. Well, it entered, I think it was 2007, it took over from the 350Z, or was it yeah. a 370Z? Yeah, it was a 350Z that it overtook from, mm. um, which in itself was a championship winning car. And I think within. So by the end of the decade, it had won at least one championship, I want to say. And then since then, it's sort of been like this dinosaur, pardon the pun, um, dinosaur that's just been kept going and going and that's going. A, that's and a very good pun, I like that. It is a great pun, I think. Um, and you know, it's a shame that it's got a bit long-legged in the end of its time, and it's not quite... I think the last time it had a proper attempt at a championship was like 2017, maybe? Um, and since since like the Supra has come out and the NSX has has become a solid platform, uh, they've just not had the raw speed that they've needed to take it to the championship. Well, actually, no. Was it last year they had a good go? They were in. A, I think last year they were in a hunt, really? weren't they? they? There was like six yeah. cars that could have won it, but the Nissan never was. Good. That's right, because the Nissan led the first lap or something stupid, and then its tires fell off. Yeah. Well, then its tires fell off, and then it came down to the last lap, and it was. A super no, that's it because one of them, one of the supers ran out of fuel, mm. and the other one won. Mm. That was the NSX, wasn't it? That ran out of fuel. No, it was a super. Anyway, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. matter. But basically, but yeah, basically, it's it is as Sam says. It's a lifetime award for for being just a badass at being able to live as long as it has done. Yeah. Let's move on to the next one, which is uh, the team slash manufacturer of the year. Uh, the nominations for this one are Toyota. Uh, for their efforts in the WRC, the WEC, Dakar, Super Formula, and Super GT. Glickenhaus uh, for their Le Mans effort. Delara for basically every single se- single seater that they've ever made. 
and also keep making. Uh, McLaren for F1 and IndyCar, Nissan for Super GT, Red Bull Racing and Mercedes for Formula One, Haas, <laughs> um, and uh, Yamaha for MotoGP and World Superbikes. And uh, Sam, who is the winner for this one? The winner of Team Slash Manufacturer of the Year is Toyota for WRC, WEC, Dakar, Super Formula, and Super GT. It sort of explains itself, really, doesn't it? Pretty much. <laughs> Very <laughs> They won both domestic championships and then won three world championships all at the same time in the same calendar year. Hmm. Yeah. Dakar doesn't really count as world championship yet, but yeah, I know what you mean. Well, it's a, it's a prestigious, yeah, prestigious event, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, Toyota, since they left F1, have just gone from strength to strength, really. Uh, yeah, the, in, ironically, the best thing that they have done is leave Formula One. <laughs> That's the thing, they're probably, they're probably spending less money on all of those series combined than they were it's, in F1. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's mad, isn't it? Um, but yeah, I mean, everything. I mean, when you look at the... Um, the gala, the FIA gala, where they have the world championship cars. Obviously, Merck didn't send theirs, but in terms of the other stuff, it was basically all Toyota. Um, the WRC was there. the The, the hypercar was there. Um, obviously, Mercedes did send their Formula E car, and uh, Tony Kart <laughs> sent their world championship winning KZ as well. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, the the two stroke noise all through the gala to. Uh, drive that up onto the stage but uh yeah all good was it then for uh, car to clean up it must have been yeah to, to, to clean the air um seems ironic really doesn't it uh, <laughs> uh but no i think toyota really have absolutely smashed it this year let's face it there's not really anything that they've entered that they haven't won did they also win nascar this year no okay good no that was chevrolet okay that's fine then they normally, I just they normally win NASCAR, so uh, it's fine. Um, no, it's all, yeah. Not for a little while, but yeah. Okay, um, let's go through the other mentions. So Yamaha, um, out of basically nowhere, uh, have won both the World Superbike Championship and the MotoGP Championship. So pretty impressive, really. Top two classes in bikes, let's face it. Yep, um, I think it's the first time. Not that it would be Kawasaki, which have been yeah, the dominant. That's what I was saying. The first time in about five hundred and twelve years that. Jonathan Ray and Kawasaki haven't won the World Superbike Championship, so good for them. Uh, McLaren. Now, we weren't going to give the award to McLaren until we sort of came to our senses, really, and Toyota are just way better. Um, Sam, explain McLaren for us. So, McLaren have probably had, realistically, their best season. Maybe not in terms of the where they actually finish in the constructors, but in terms of their actual results, I think they've had the best season in Formula 1 that they've had for a long time. The car has been quick, They've got two, well, Lando's been absolutely on it. Daniel Ricciardo found some pace towards the end of the year after getting taking a bit more time to actually get into the the team. Um, and then in IndyCar, they've been solid all year as well, obviously taking over a lot more of Arrowsmith-Peterson. Um, well, they bought the team now, haven't they? Yeah. They've, yeah, bought the team out right now, so it is McLaren as of next year. Um, but... Uh, yeah, I, yeah, they've just been been good, been fast, been no drama really from McLaren. Just cracked on, done a good job, had a fast car. I think I'll probably put them second. May I between, yeah. between them and Yamaha, I'd put them second. Yeah, I'd agree with that. That's the funny thing is that Yamaha are also Toyota. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Um, so if we put if we add that to Toyota, they've won the WRC, the World, the World Endurance Championship, Dakar, Super Formula, Super GT, MotoGP, and the World Superbike Championship. Pretty impressive. Not too bad. Um, let's keep it in Formula they also One. Make pianos. Say again, mate. They also make pianos. They, they do. They do. Very good pianos, the Yamaha. Yeah. Do, yeah. Um, I'm sure if there was a piano competition, they'd win it as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they've also won the Piano World Championship. So. So, <laughs> piano World Championship. <laughs> Were they the, the entrant? Maybe. <laughs> For the, the best electric keyboard goes. The nominations yeah, are actually, Yamaha, Yamaha, and Yamaha again. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Actually, one championship that Toyota didn't win. Um, was the World Air Conditioning Championship, and that was one of the Mitsubishi. So. <laughs> <laughs> they do make really good air conditioning units, Mitsubishi. They do, I yeah. They're coming out with a hyper air conditioning unit. One thing Mitsubishi yeah. are good at is um, blowing air. Yeah. Blowing hot air at that. Show me one before it gets anywhere. Yes. Um, Red Bull Mercedes, basically nominated but didn't win for the same reasons we've mentioned already with the driver of the year too much politics yep Haas <laughs> right <laughs> right the reason I'm giving them a nomination is because they achieved all of their goals in 2021 but that really does beg the question what were their goals <laughs> um, they put they put in zero effort they got nothing else of it so good job <laughs> yeah still running 2018 spec um we'll come, we'll come on to that <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll come on to that later i would say actually that um i think the way that they've managed having two rookie drivers seems to have worked to a certain extent reasonably well clearly the relationship between mick and his race engineer who i don't know his name actually but they, they've got a really good working relationship they um these is encouraging enough to mick to say like right let's push on now let's go for it come on get your head down but at the same time, coaching them enough to actually make them progress as drivers as well, which I think is important when you've got rookies. Well, I mean, um, when you look, I mean, with the greatest of respect to a lot of people's opinions, but if you look at Nikita from an objective point of view, at the beginning of the season, he span a lot. I mean, granted, the car was what, difficult Nikita to drive. Has a spin. Exactly, yeah. But come the end of the season, he got it together, and albeit he was still slower. Let's be nice. Slower than than Mick, he did at least get himself together, and it seemed he he's beginning to grow into Formula One as opposed to, you know, being a bloke who's just got a lot of money. Um, I think we'll respectfully disagree. Where is that? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I'm, I'm, on an objective point of view, okay, if you, yeah, I mean, he's certainly he, as he's less reliable. If if he was for half half a second lap slower than his teammate, he'd get fired. But um, well, I think you can leave, you can give it down to the. You've got to give a bit of it for the car. I mean, as you say, it's from a 2018 for Christ's sake. <laughs> well, I mean, let's put it this way: Haas can't do worse next year. No. no. Um, Only team this year to score zero points, weren't they? Yeah. Which hasn't happened for a while. No. Well, unless you're Williams. No, no. What I mean is, like, it hasn't. Um, been a while since there's been only one team on zero points. Oh, okay. There's been two or three before the last couple of years, isn't there? Hmm. Um, yeah. So well done to uh, Toyota for the manufacturer of the year and Yamaha for the <laughs> keyboard world championships. Do um, you want to uh, mention Dallara before we move on? Well, Dallara basically, 
I can't feel. I feel they can't not have a mention just because they make basically every single seater outside of F1 and the Haas F1 car. But I'd just like to put a caveat in. I I don't think Dallara should be in there. I agree they've done an amazing job, but they're not. They're just they're just a chassis manufacturer. I won't call them an actual manufacturer. <laughs> you know, they're never going to win the championship because if they won the championship, or if they entered the constructors' championship in all of their series, they'd win them every year. Not really fair. <laughs> Yeah, well, this is what this is our argument, but wasn't it? Is that it's, product. It's, in terms of the, what they make, they make very, very good quality chassis. But that's sort of where you have to then draw the line. But, but I think they were. It's worth a mention because of how many series they yeah, supply. And also, and, remember, they also make chassis for endurance car. They make the Cadillac in. Um, yeah. Uh, what's it called now? IMSA. IMSA. I keep wanting to say the Tusk, but that's like four years out of date now. Um, yeah, they make really good stuff. And so I think as a manufacturer, they deserve a mention. So there. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, right, let's move on to the... How do you say it? So that sounds like your, your, your prize achievement from last year. So this is, this is the seriously moment of the year. The very, very PC way of saying what the moment of yeah. the year. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. Um, so this is the moment that we do this now, and it's a rolling thing that we've done a couple of years in a row, and it's essentially um, the the moment of the of the year in obviously motorsport generally, rather than uh, the Conservative Party, um, <laughs> where um, you look at it and go like, "What has just happened?" Like you can't. You look at it and think, "I don't know." what has just gone on i don't get why that's happened so it's a surprise i guess but not necessarily it's a what, good it's surprise what were they thinking yeah it's kind of a why have you done that so the nominations are uh max verstappen's crash and qualifying at the saudi arabian grand prix where he crashed into the wall the final corner we're about to get pole uh the fia and indeed the abu dhabi grand prix in general and just fia stewarding throughout the whole f1 season uh, Lewis Hamilton's I've written something else here but I'm going to say accident at the, Silver, at the Silverstone Grand Prix uh, with Max Verstappen um, the Formula E season just because pff, it's Formula E well there was an exodus of manufacturers wasn't there yeah I mean that, that's another part of it um, Nikita Marzipan's season for sort of what we've mentioned already uh, right Ferrari taking out Porsche in the last race of the WEC season for the GT title uh, and basically winning it through Pantorino. Um The uh, final round of <coughs> DTM <coughs> um, at the Norris Ring and the uh, the Lance Stroll graphic at the Monaco Grand Prix as the only overtake of the entire race was um, happening live on TV. Sam? Yes. Or Cree, actually. Let's go for Cree. Cree, uh, who is the winner of the Seriously? Moment of the year. I, mean, I don't particularly want to say their name because I don't really like them because of what they've done in the past. But um, no, the winner, the winner of the seriously moment of the year goes to uh, the DTM for their horrible, horrible handling of the final round at Norris Ring and how the um, oh Christ, I can't remember the driver who was it, but he was taken out by his rival and then had zero chance of winning because he was punted into a wall. Oh no, it was um. Lawson, Liam yeah. Lawson. It was the Red Bull back Ferrari driver. 
Liam Lawson got punted into the wall at the Norris ring. Uh, and the stewards just thought, oh, no, that's all right. Not a problem with that at all. No, it's not like the two title contenders have ruined the title winners. Oh, sorry, the leading title driver's was, race. No, it's it, fine. Was it him and van der Linde? Yeah, I think it was yeah, van der Linde. Yeah. And I'm fairly sure it was van der Linde's teammate who was actually up for the championship, wasn't it? Yeah, Maximilian Goetze. That was the main, the main contest. I Linda was still in it. But he might have been, I think he was like an outside shot. And I think... I'm sort of guessing just by the finishing positions, because I can't actually remember. Hmm. Uh... But yeah, anyway. I think in general, it's been a very poor year for stewarding standards. In general. I mean, don't get me wrong. Stewards across every category do an incredible job. But I think just this year, they've dropped the ball, whether it be been... in DTM, whether it be in Formula One, whether it be in WEC. This has been a, a very similar thing to what football's been going through in the last couple of years. Well, with like the VAR and everything, well, just, you just, mean? You know, oh, right, refereeing yeah. and stewarding, they've both come under very similar scrutiny over the last couple of years. It's very interesting. Um, just of being wrong and inconsistent, really. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I would agree with that. And so I think with the DTM as well, you have to look at it. And like, I know the way that he caused the crash, it's not like he's just driven straight into the side of him. He had all four wheels locked up, but he braked ridiculously late. And if you haven't seen it, it's into a 180-degree a hairpin left. Lawson was on the far left of the circuit, so that's going to be a first gear corner and he's braked probably 100 metres too late <laughs> no way he's going to make the corner and he just came yeah. straight through, caused carnage and took out the championship leader I think there was, I think he went over because I think the way that they did the hairpin is they had like a one metre or maybe a one and a half metre um, sort of like flat bit of kerb and then an actual kerb and he basically just went over the kerb, like the, both <laughs> bits of the kerb he just drove over the top of it and you're like that's horrific driving standards, and they just allowed it to carry on as if nothing had happened. Right. Yeah. No, wait, no, he didn't. He get a. He got a. Was it a five second penalty or something? Right. Steve, something nominal, wasn't it? One second. I've yeah. Just, I've just had a look at the video. So it's number three Audi, which um, hits. Uh, is that who that is? I, I think know. so, yeah. Uh, number three. Yeah, number three is Van der Linde, who hits number 30. Which is Liam Lawson. Yep, cool. Just making sure, making sure before we uh, get sued by DCM that we're that we're pointing out the right people. Um, yeah, carry on. But yeah, no, it's just uh, it's sad when there's multiple championships this year that has gone down to the last race of the season, and it's just ended in controversy and drama. And you like you don't want that. You want it goes back to like my point at the beginning with the driver of the year. You just want a championship to be decided by a driver behind the wheel of his car in a nice clean fight, but it just, you know, it's just not ended that way. Yeah. Which is the same for the WEC and F1, as you said. Um, yeah, it's been bad. It's been bad. Mm. Formula E season, um, also known as uh, the Exodus season. So we knew, I think, did we know going into the season about one or two of the levers? BMW, I think. There's probably rumours. Well, let's see. So, leaving Formula E within the next, well, now and next year, are Mercedes, BMW, Audi, 
Uh, and I think that's it. I don't. I think Porsche is staying. I think Porsche are staying, but there's still three very big manufacturers well, leaving. Audi, of course, are uh, one of the founding members of Formula E. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, and then Audi spouting rumours about going to Formula One as well. Oh, it's just ridiculous. They said it for years, and I hope they never do it. I don't know if I can see it really, but we'll see. Well, it's just it's just um, like I mean, we, we've we've spoken for years now about the Volkswagen Group and their motorsport um, morals. Maybe we will say it mm. with uh, with what they did to the WEC and uh, now what they seem to be doing to Formula E. As much as you know, Formula E benefited initially from the WEC's basically collapse. <laughs> um, if they go to Formula One, I think that'd just be ridiculous. But oh well. Um, the Silverstone crash. Discuss. I, I think it is it deserves to be in this category. Um but don't necessarily agree with your phrasing of it on the list, <laughs> Um because I do think it was kind of maybe not fifty fifty, but I don't think you can really apportion blame either way to, with that one. It was a very big shunt, and when you looked at it you went, Whoa, that's going to have ramifications a lot later in the season and it certainly did um but um it was kind of the point in the season as well where was that their first crash this year it's i think it was wasn't it? they had like little scuffles like at imola yeah they touched imola didn't they but this was the first one where one or both of them had to retire because of it um and i think it just goes to this was the point in the season that you went okay Neither of these two are going to yield for the rest of the year now. Put it this way, They're if, both if, if this crash hadn't happened, Monza wouldn't have happened. No, 100%. 100% wouldn't have happened. The ones later in the season, you know, it's difficult to say because the points would have been different. So they might not have been as close. Um, certainly, I don't think it would have been as controversial at Abu Dhabi necessarily but equally maybe if Verstappen won at Silverstone it could well have been still um he'd be 25 points for clear he would have been yeah then his crash at uh, Saudi Arabia probably wouldn't have happened yeah yeah exactly um I... the going on going on to that crash at Saudi that was probably <laughs> it's just ridiculous I was just yeah, I was watching it I don't often get to watch quali live or not so much because of because of work and stuff like that. So um, I was, but I was actually at home watching this with my family, and we we're sitting there thinking this is a Senna at Monaco style qualifying lap. Is that impressive? What he's managing to pull, and like if he pulls this off, not obviously it was going to be a lap record because it's the first <laughs> race there, but it's like one of those laps where you go, that's phenomenal. And then coming out of the last corner, he binned it. He just l l dropped the rear end and slid it into the wall, and that was that. Yeah. Um, well, he went too deep into because he, was he? Did he have a tiny lockup going into the last corner? He, he had a little lockup. To adjust it, he put the power down to get the back end to come round, and as it came round, it smacked the wall. He was very yeah, lucky not much. to destroy his gearbox for that. He was very. Oh, yeah, yeah. I yeah. I thought when I saw it that could well be a gearbox. Um, credit to Red Bull that they managed to, or and Honda that managed to build a good enough gearbox well, it's to. But it shows that the military, when Leclerc had a similar crash at Monaco, that destroyed his race. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 
Um, and that was a shame, that one. But this, this didn't really affect Max in the race, which is very impressive. Um, but, oh, I don't know. I mean, I think it was just one of those where you go, it was like a hands-on head, mouth, a, a like wide-open moment of, like, what have I just seen? It was I mean, the, that, that the was, finishing. That was literally the reaction when uh, Lance Stroll's graphic came up at the Monaco Grand Prix. That as well, <laughs> covering up the only on-track overtake shown on TV that weekend. Uh, we didn't see it because we were looking at a graphic of Lance Stroll. It's so good that Monty uh, did a similar um, sort of meme post uh, for, with one of his sim racing. Uh, yeah, I'll put that in the in the web page because it's brilliant. It's just, it's just funny. Um, but oh, yeah. What a year. <laughs> what a year for, it's been. For, for the seriously moment. It, there were plenty of categories. Um, nominations, rather. So right, let's move on to something a bit more positive. The, um, what yeah. we're, what we're, we're, we've changed the name of this one um, this year to remember the great Sterling Moss, who, of course, we lost last year. Uh, this is the, the Sterling Moss Racing Career Achievement Award, which is an award we're giving to drivers or riders uh, motorsport people who um, have hung up their their helmets in, for their racing careers um, to move on to either home or other pastures. Uh, so the nominations for this one are Gabriele Tarquini, uh, Kazuki Nakajima, Valentino Rossi, Heike Kovalainen and Kimi Raikkonen. Sam. Now we've actually got two winners in this category, because we couldn't really separate the two people we wanted to give them to, except by the amount of wheels on their vehicle. <laughs> so, um, winning the two-wheeled award is Valentino Rossi, uh, and winning the four-wheeled award is Gabriele Tarquini. So, great job, Italy. Very good job, Italy. So, uh, Gabriele Tarquini, of course, um, if you're Egyptian, you're, you'll see, you'll remember him from the uh, the pyramids when they were being built. <laughs> he is, I think, one of the oldest people to in the world have <laughs> um, to have a world level race license. I could be wrong with that, but he is something like. Oh, there we go. No, yeah, um, he broke the. Uh, yeah, where is it? I've got it here. Sorry, he won because he won the 2009 World Touring Car Championship when he was 47. So that's in 2009. He is the oldest FIA world champion. Wow. At the age of 47, beating that, Fangio. I was about to say, would that be older than Fangio? Yeah, Fangio was 46. Wow. I just see, so, when, yeah. I, when I just Googled his name, there's a, the picture comes up, has, has him with hair on. He doesn't look right. <laughs> that must have been from the year 2000 BC. Uh, let's, let's be serious. So Gabriele Tarquini, um, touring car absolute legend, I think is the um, the very short synopsis for him. Um, he's basically, if he's got a tin top, he's raced it and he's probably won it. Yeah, it's also he's, back in the day. Oh yeah, he, yeah. Well, this is it. He actually, if anything, kind of started more in Formula One. Um, well, obviously not started in Formula <laughs> One. He did the various support series as well, but. Um, but it was not really one of those. He's one of those drivers that he did seventy eight, en uh, seventy eight entries, thirty eight starts, which probably shows part of the problem. Um, but I mean, he did really did not a lot in Formula One. Scored one career point from thirty eight starts. Yeah, that's to be fair, um, sixth place. 
Yeah, yeah, I know it's the old point scoring system, but even then, um, but then went into touring cars and basically won everything. Well, let's see. His career started at the Italian Formula Three Championship uh, in nineteen eighty three, which was I was minus nine. There you go. So he's been racing even longer than Sean has been alive. So that shows you how long it is. Um, he didn't win his first title until 1994 BTCC. There you go. So, I mean, lots that of would have been... Actually, he was kind of... Yeah, it was... he did bits and pieces in Formula 1 after that. But that was kind of after his F1 career had finished. Mm. Well, that's the thing. Is that, you know, lots of people don't even have 10-year racing careers. Um, no. To um, you know, win your first title at year eleven, uh, and then go on for another twenty-seven years. Yeah. yeah, I mean he's he's fifty-nine. Man. That is that is old. Um... <laughs> Don't be rude. <laughs> this is this is royalty. Well, is. <laughs> this no, is a... for a racing driver, he's that's a, really he's old. A fair, isn't it? Fair of Italy. Yeah, and actually, I think he broke. Didn't he break his own record as well by winning the Touring Car Cup in 2018? Yeah, that's that's I think an even bigger achievement. It was 56, <laughs> and he won an FIA World Championship. That my, is impressive. My dad's not even 56. And mine is, but yeah, um, <laughs> but my dad can't drive a touring car either, so um, <laughs> swings around the house. Well, that's, that, we should give him a simmer exam. Get him on TSI. Uh, no, no. As he <laughs> called it the other day, computer racing is not for him. <laughs> um, I mean, just just into Tarquini, just the cars he's driven. He's driven for Lada. He's driven for Honda. He's driven for Hyundai. He's driven for Seat. Hi- uh, who else? I said Hyundai already, so I have. Um, Alpha. Alpha. Yeah, of course, he was racing with the Alpha in the 90s. Uh, Coloni in Moto. Uh, sorry, in um, Formula One. He's raced for Prima. He's raced for Acela. He's raced for basically anything Italian that's not Ferrari. Um, he also raced for Tyrrell. For what? Tyrrell. Ah. In Formula One. Yeah. I think that was his last F1 race, possibly. Polestar. You raced for them? He's raced, he's raced everything. And won and a lot of it. When was his last yeah. win? Ooh. Uh... This year? I don't think yeah, he... he won this year. Oh yeah, yeah he did, yeah. In the World Touring Car Cup, so good on him. But in terms of success, Valentino Rossi, we've mentioned it in our quiz podcast. Um, legendary doesn't even come close to what he is and what he's done. No, is you well, can't. He's the definition of goat. I mean, nobody ever mentioned goat before until Valentino Rossi won, you know, seven world championships. Well, technically nine. Well, technically it's nine world championships. In terms of MotoGP stuff, it's seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, goat was defined by him. And, you know, when he arrived in MotoGP, world superbikes arguably was a little bit more unpopular, at least in, in Britain anyway. In the 90s, yeah. Yeah, well, in the 90s, it was world superbikes or nothing. And then he came along and just rocketed the popularity through the roof. I mean, now MotoGP is the Goliath that it is because of him. I mean, that's a, that's a lot of the reason. His, I mean, 10 years ago, we were thinking, oh, it's going to be how long's Rossi got left in the tank? Because he's le- he'd left Yamaha. Uh, back then, they had Lorenzo, who'd been retired for, what, two years now? 
um and ben spees who's been retired for six years <laughs> you know um that's what they were thinking oh that's that's the future of yamaha but no rossi persevered carried on he's 42 at his age of his retirement um when was his last win 18 or 17 17 wasn't it you said in the quiz yeah whichever one i said it was, was correct um but no it's ridiculous i mean Cree, as a outsider of MotoGP, should he have retired a couple of years ago i wouldn't say i'm an outsider of MotoGP. i watch MotoGP nearly every single year yep. okay as an... should he have retired sorry going back to the question should he have retired earlier he should have retired instead of going to vr46 the satellite Yamaha team. He should have retired at that point. I thought he went to um, SRT. Well, whatever the team is that it's at the back. I can't remember <laughs> the name of them. Um, it's the Patronas liveried bike. Yeah, the SRT. Yeah. He should have retired before going to them, personally. He should have just left it there. But maybe he felt an obligation to. I don't know. Um, but he should have ended at Yamaha. At actual Yamaha. Mm-hmm. But, I mean... I'm not going to stop him, you know. I think he knew he should have ended there, but he just kept carrying on because I don't think he'd quite figured out what he was going to do next, whereas now I think he's got quite a clear plan on what he's going to do next. Well, yeah, his team manager, his own team, which... I think well, his team manager and he's going to do WEC, isn't he? WRC, maybe. I don't know. He'll do something. He's been, he's been test driving a Ferrari. Has he? Yeah, that's GT3. No, he's been, he's been doing GT3 for a little while, actually. Um, on and off. He quite often does the... Um, I think it's the is it called the golf the golf twelve hour at Abu Dhabi or Bahrain or something? Um, GC three cars. Um, he also does the, the quite often does the Monza Rally show as well, which this year was a WRC event. I don't think he actually did it this year because it clashed with um, GP. But um, yeah, I think I I think we'll see him driving stuff definitely. Just maybe not full seasons and maybe not winning races but he'll be doing it for the love of it which actually to be honest there's nothing wrong with that let's face it if he wants to do it and he's got the money to do it which let's face it he definitely does he can just do what he wants but i think he's gonna have to be he's just gonna spend a lot more time at home he's got a family now hasn't he i think he's he's missed yeah. yeah i think they're either expecting or has just given birth recently so he's he's got kids now he's like we said he's 42 he can afford to wind it back a bit and have some fun <laughs> you can, at home. You can say he can afford. I mean, Rossi's well known um, for his problems with the Italian tax collector. Um, well, about, about ten or so years ago. <laughs> um, <laughs> but hey, you know, when you're Valentino Rossi, you can do what you want, really. But um, exactly. Short of murder, obviously. Well, and like clearly. you know, bad crimes. Um, but yeah. Definitely, definitely worth a a two wheeled career award. So um, definitely, there we go. Uh, Nakajima, of course, he's going to Toyota's management team. Um, I did hear he's actually going to do a bit of driving, though. No, I heard, I've heard. No, he had a test in a Super Formula, but I think it was just for a bit of fun more than anything. Who am I thinking of then? Who else has retired this year from Gazoo? Um, well, Kobayashi's gone to team principal and driver. That's that's what who I was thinking of then. Yeah, that was it. Um, Co- it's going to be an interesting year for him next year. Kovalainen, yeah, he's not half. Um, Kovalainen, he's obviously been in Super GT in recent years. Cree. Yeah, no, that's right. He's a champion of Super GT. I think mm-hmm. back when Lexus were running the LC sports car thing, that looked horrific. Is that the one I'm running the, in CSR next year? 
It's the one yeah. you're running into yourself. Yeah. <laughs> well, LC five hundred, isn't it? Yeah. Must be. It's either that or the LCF. Yeah, I think it was the LC five hundred that he won his championship in. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But he's been in Super GT for a long time, um, and he was a champion, and now he's retiring. I mean, he was an ex. Was he Renault first, and then McLaren? Yeah, he went to Renault in two thousand seven. Yeah, so Renault, you know, ran the Renault for a bit and won. He won a race. I think he won Fuji. He did win Fuji in two thousand eight. Yeah. Mm. So I mean, he's had a a decent career. You can't knock him for his career he's had. Um, and it's just nice to see that he's retiring and gone back to Finland. And uh, Kimi Räikkönen has also retired. Yeah, also gone back to Finland. That's his comments, by yeah, the way. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be honest. I completely forgot we were going to do that. Um... <laughs> Let's move on. Um, from the uh, old people who are retiring to the young'uns, the rookie slash debutante, because Chris didn't like the word rookie, um, of the year. And our nominations are Oscar Piastri, Mick Schumacher, Roman Grosjean, Yuki Tsunoda, and Scott McLaughlin. Yes. So, the winner of rookie slash debutante of the year. We couldn't actually separate two of them, so it's Oscar Piastri. No, let's 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 not say it. Let's let's say we argued and couldn't be bothered to uh, go on one side or the other. Okay, so it's Oscar Piastri and Romain Grosjean. I thought we were going to let the audience decide on who was going to We win. are. So if, you're, are. if you've been listening for the last 53 minutes, uh, go on Instagram um, to Auto and uh, vote for who you think deserves the rookie slash debutante of the year award. As Roman Grosjean for his absolutely incredible IndyCar season. Um, or Oscar Piastri, who has won the last three championships in a row that he's entered in, yeah, in he... F2, F3 and something else. Uh, Formula Renault. Formula Renault. Uh, so yeah, that, but I think let's just give some context as well. So yeah, Piastri, like we said, three three championships in three years, moving up each time. That's pretty impressive. It's a really, it's a bit of a shock. He's not got an F1 drive for next I'm year. I think the last time I saw someone do that was it would have been a long time ago. Would have been Hamilton. Yeah, but... No, no, I don't even think Hamilton did it. Um, to move up, especially in single seaters, to move up that quickly um, is is very impressive. Mick always has two seasons, Mick's didn't he? Second year guy. Yeah, uh, so he's going to win the next world year, championship next, next year. Yeah, next year he'll win the championship for Haas. You're right, yeah. <laughs> um, but I yeah, I think it's um, it's it's definitely you should definitely. Be sitting up and taking note of Oscar Piastri. He's going to be a superb driver. Whatever he does next year, he's official reserve for Alpine, I think, isn't he? But that's not not doing him justice. He should be. He should be in Alonso. Should be in there, yeah. Um, the other nominate, the other winner, Roman Grosjean, obviously after his crash in Bahrain end of last year. Um, we weren't weren't sure what he was going to do, and then he's gone over to IndyCar. Uh, and I think personally, he's had a superb season mm. in IndyCar, in in a team, a small team that only really run. They run one car, I think they do, don't they? Is it my Shanky's with? No, it's not even that. It's um, smaller than that. I cannot remember the name of the team. They're that it's small, but I can't remember the name. 
It is, yes, Dal Coyne. Um, because it's who he basically took Palau's seat. Oh, yes. So Palau moved to Andretti. Um, or Chip Chukanasi, sorry. No, Palau. And, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. and Roma moved into Dal Coyne um, in the number 55 or 51. I can't remember. Um, and uh, yeah, and the rest is, so, as they say, history. He's still. Still recovering from the burns on his hands, but he still managed to get was it what two podiums this year in IndyCar? He led considering two or three races. led three races um, and qualified. He had a pole position as well, I think, didn't he? He did at um, Indy Road Course. Yeah, which ironically, he said that the last time he had pole position, he was karting. <laughs> um, He'd have been in which... GP two, I think. Yeah, oh no, that was it. The clarification was the last time I led a rolling start was in karting. Right, okay. Which is, yeah. Um, <laughs> but I think that's that sort of sums it up, really, um, of how good a season he's really had. He's had a great year, and I think moving into a big team next year, he could be one of the ones to, to watch for the championship. Now he's got a few seasons under his belt. He's, he's doing um, the ovals next year as well, so be an oval rookie but not a road course rookie and you know a lot more of the circuits um so officially uh scott mclaughlin was the indycar rookie of the year because he's he was he did the ovals and scored the extra points basically uh yeah it's a decent season for mclaughlin as we mentioned in our indycar review um but we think grosjean just had higher highs really yeah i, I think yeah mclaughlin did a good very good job and to come from supercars to yeah, IndyCar can't have been easy. Can't have been easy. Well, just look, just look at um 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 what's his Jimmy name? Johnson. Yeah, Jimmy Johnson. Moving from NASCAR and then deciding not to do the ovals, which seems still, still like where, where he should have been the strongest. Let's face it. Um, but uh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean uh, Scott did a really good job. He obviously had the backing of Penske, which arguably would have helped. Um, but yeah, I think Grosjean deserved Rookie of the Year in IndyCar. He just didn't do the ovals, so he didn't get the points. Um, <clears throat> Mick Mick Schumacher, the other nominations. Um, so Mick and Yuki. Yuki's on the list, much the same reason as Scott McLaughlin is, that he is officially the Rookie of the Year in F1. Yes. But I think he did a good job in places. <clears throat> he did a really good job. He started other and time. ended well. But he had like eighteen races, which were terrible. <laughs> yeah, arguably so. Um, but he managed to get some points, so he beat both of the Haas drivers, who were the only other rookies this year. Mick, I think, was very impressive, given the car. I think you're right, and I think with the car that he had, he did some pretty good things, and he showed decent pace at times um, for the car. Admittedly, he was quite often second and a half, maybe two in front of Nikita. Um, so I think that's that's not to be overlooked. But I do think if he had been in the Alpha Tauri, he probably would have done better than what Yuki did, I mean, if that makes sense. Yeah. I Yeah, I probably agree. Um, Cree, anything else to add on that, that uh, list? No, no, I think you summed it up quite Just well. Yuki Sanuda. No, I, I would agree. I think it's a shame Yuki had his massive blip at the in the middle of the year, but 
blip. <laughs> that AC race blip. Well, yeah, it's just like in um, Avengers where they just disappear for five years. He had exactly the same thing. He just disappeared for 18 races and then came back at the I end. I have no right. idea what you're on about. It's all right, Sean. It's pop culture. Don't worry about <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, I'm, I don't do that. Uh, let's move on. Um, the Race of the Year award. Um, pretty self-explanatory. It's the best race of the year. Um, yeah. We've got the Le Mans 24 Hours, Indy 500, the Italian Grand Prix, the Music City Grand Prix of Nashville in IndyCar, uh, the Spa 24 Hours, and the Austria MotoGP. Uh, Sam, you can do this mm-hmm. one. The winner of Race of the Year is the Formula One Italian Grand Prix. Um, just because it was eventful, as much as anything, to be totally honest. Um, it, we had sprint sprint qualifying, which was shit. Was mix, mixed reviews. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, oh, now, uh, now I've got to put a tick for language. Oh, damn it. <laughs> um, but... Um, but yeah, I think it was it was one of those races where it could have been, as we so often see at Monza, an absolute procession and only DRS overtaking. But actually, it was, I think, quite a good race. There was a good amount of overtakes. It was a good strategy element from the teams. McLaren won, which obviously for me is always a bonus. Um, we had not only a win, but a 1-2. It was Daniel Ricciardo doing shoeys on the podium with Lando Norris. Um, and Zach Brown, and I think that's good for the sport to have a new team winning races, and well, not a new team I was winning say, races. You say team. McLaren are a new team, the second, uh, a, the second a team that hasn't won team. for a while. Yeah, yeah. and a team that hasn't won for a while, winning races, um, and on merit as well. I think they drove well. Um, admittedly, if the race was five laps longer, they probably wouldn't have won it, but um, but I think they did very well. And I think it was a good race for that reason. Yeah, we always we always nominate Le Mans and Indy 500. Let's face well, uh, it, for not, racing. Not when year. they're bad. No, no, we always do. I think. Well, okay, but every year we've done the awards. I think they've been on there. Yeah, but they've been good the last few years. <laughs> yeah. Um, the Music City Grand Prix of Nashville. I think that was an excellent track. It was an excellent race, just because it was that that was a championship defining race. I um, think it was one of those. The circuit looked great. I think it was too bumpy in places. It was too tight in places. But it is a street circuit. So you can't really knock that. It is what it is. Um, and we had the little controversy with the pit lane as well, didn't we? We did, yeah. That, that was a bit weird. That The pit lane, actually, when you were under the safety car because of where that crash was, it was actually faster to go down the pit lane. Was it Dixon who went through? Yeah. And he managed to beat the safety car out the other end. Yeah, um, but then Formula E did the same thing at uh, at London or something. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, um, but no, I think music, the Grand Prix of Nashville was is when Colton Herta should have won it by a mile, uh, but he crashed. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, and it was yeah. a championship defining because uh, Polo then he did he win it? No, did Marcus Ericsson won it? Didn't he? He did. Yeah, Marcus Ericsson won. Um, but Polo held off a ward, and that sort of defined the, the season really um the spa 24 hours that was a mad race uh first 23 hours was just normal gt3 stuff which is pretty close pretty good pretty hot on track action and then the last hour it absolutely bucketed with rain 
there are lots and lots of spinning off and crashes and stuff. And then I think it went down to the last few minutes where the winner was decided. Uh, Al would have more details, but he's not here because he's probably still in bed at three, yep. at three in the afternoon. Uh, Cree, talk to us about Austria. Uh, it was a similar thing to the Spa 24, really. Um, I think it was quite a standard MotoGP race up until the last five or ten laps. Uh, five laps, sorry. But there was always an air of, since the beginning of the race, there was always an air that it might rain and that there might be a bit of rain during the race at some point. Mm-hmm. And it just so happened that the last three to five laps, it started raining. Uh, and I think with three laps to go, everybody in the lead group pitted firing brad binder on the ktm so bearing in mind ktm are based in austria and he didn't pit and thought he could make it to the end on a set of slicks so this is you know in a car race you know norris and sochi will tell you all about how driving on slicks is a terrible idea i was gonna say on a motor gp bike you've got half the the contact patch and then half again because you've only got two two wheels yeah um and he basically somehow did a did a ride that was well outstanding really because he got it to the end with both wheels and finished first to take the win take the win when he was like seventh or eighth i think before everyone pitted how how far did he I win just, by uh, i think he won by a couple of seconds because wow. i think the yeah i think the other riders that patted pitted for wets or the change of bike they would have been I think 20 seconds back by the time they got out the pits. Well, because in MotoGP, yeah. you don't change tyres, you change bikes, don't you? You do, yeah. You don't change tyres, you just change bikes. So the process is actually quite quicker than... is or is just as quick as an F1 change. Because you just jump off the bike, throw the bike at your mechanic, and then jump on the new one. <laughs> um, and yeah, how he managed to stay on, not only just on the track, but on his bike, because you've got no grip. Your tyres have gone cold by the third lap. And... Yeah, he just won by a couple of seconds. Outrageous. Absolutely outrageous. So pretty good then? Uh, pretty damn good, yeah. yeah. For a MotoGP race, yeah, it was pretty damn good. Yeah. Uh, let's go from the high to the low now. Uh, the disappointment of the year. Uh, the nominations are the Aston Martin F1 team. Uh, Sam, have you just got rid of Cree? I, yeah. <laughs> Cree, Cree was a nomination, but now he's been removed. Uh, Sam Green CSR year, um, the Belgian Grand Prix, Mike Hurd's car outside of um, uh, <laughs> motorsport, um, and DTM now being GT3 because we I'm happy with that one. That's not a disappointment at all. Uh, That's right. <laughs> the Class One cars are so much better than GT3. Anyway, um, I, I would agree with you, but we'll get to that. Anyway, we'll get to that. Uh, Sam and Cree. Altogether, what is the disappointment of the year? The Belgian Grand Prix. Yes, it is. Um, and it's just come to light in the past couple of days that it's even worse than what it was. Let's talk about it. So for those who are under a rock, um, the Belgian Grand Prix happens every year in Belgium. Um, Spa, actually. Uh, and um, it rains in Spa, you know, quite famously, really. There's been a few wet races at um, the Circuit of Spa Francorchamps in Belgium. Um, it rained this year as well, and um, and he did. Uh, it wasn't that bad, I didn't think. It was pretty to race. In fairness, it, it wasn't that bad. I've seen way worse than that. It it didn't look as bad as I think 
it seemed. Like when you watch the onboards, you go, actually, yeah, that's a lot of spray. But I do think, I genuinely think that actually, if they had got the cars running at speed, a lot of that would have gone within a few laps. Well, I understand those first few laps would have been pretty treacherous. But I mean, okay, Cree, compare, compare Spa and how wet that was compared to Fuji 2008 and yeah. Suzuka when the hurricanes come in. Or oh, sorry, they're not called hurricanes, are they? Um, when the typhoon, typhoon. typhoons come in. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would agree though. I would say they're on the same par. Or, and if you get to do that, then they should have been raced. Yeah, as well. Yeah. Uh, it, the problem is, is you in on the Saturday, you had Lando Norris going through Orouge and over the top of Radion, and he had a massive accident, a massive accident. And the problem you've got is, if you'd have allowed the race to go ahead, and somebody had a massive accident, you would have had a similar situation that. Oh, that GT3 Lamborghini driver. I can't remember his name. XF1 driver. Jack Aitkins. He had a massive accident where he was collected. And then he had the W Series, I think, on the same weekend. He did one race. Yeah, he did one race and he only got to Spa. Sorry, only got to... That's a a brilliant reference for him. Um, Yeah. Sorry, um, carry on. You'll be pleased with that. As I say, you had the W Series where you had that massive pile-up at the top of Radion. So, I mean... I can understand their reasoning behind it. I would agree with Sam. There were there were parts during the race where you thought to yourself, "Well, actually, no, you can get a couple of laps in there if you crack on with it." And if it does start raining again, you've got plenty of cars going around to clear it up. But yeah, it was a, just a. It's another example of bad stewarding by the FIA. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do agree, and I think the way that they ran it as well—if they had just gone, "No, we're not racing; it's too wet," you'd almost go. Well, all right, for safety's sake, fine. But the fact that we did, like, what was it, sort of six or seven laps behind the safety car for them to then go back to the pit lane, wait for another half an hour, and then try that again almost seems pointless. And it got to the point where you're thinking they're literally just playing this for time. Um, and, And it was, and then we got half points for a race that really shouldn't have been any points. I was, I was over the moon for George... Because George Russell got a podium, which I don't necessarily think should have been a podium because the race shouldn't have counted, but he's deserving of that, at least. He did a solid, absolutely phenomenal job in qualifying. Um, On a wet-dry session again, wasn't he, in qualifying? And he did a great job to get the car up that high, so that that deserves some credit in itself yeah i mean if we, um, if we had an award for performances of the year george russell qualifying at um spa would have been up there roman, Gro- roman grosjean laguna seca would have been up there definitely uh, and a couple of others to which i can't think of the top of my head but um but yeah. i mean george george did a great job in quality and then it was almost taken away from him by the fact that we didn't have a race i mean arguably he got more points because <laughs> we didn't have a race but um with the best will in the world, I don't think he would have stayed on the podium if we'd had a proper race. No, but uh, yeah, I just think it was very, very disappointing. Well, uh, clearly, disappointment of the year um, of what is normally one of the box office races, if that makes sense. It's the one that people want to watch because it's at Spa. It's a dramatic venue. It's usually a pretty good race, and it was just ruined. rubbish. It was ruined. Yeah. Um. This is the only race of the year where no point for fastest lap was given out. Funnily that. 
Yeah, but wasn't that officially, though? The fastest lap was done by the safety car. <laughs> no, wasn't it done by Nikita Mazepin? Yeah, it was done by Mazepin. Actually, yeah. yeah, it was, yeah. Because he was at the back, so he could wait for a bit, give it some gas down one of the straights and make some time up. Yeah, but that, that's not the case of he was outside the top ten, therefore doesn't get a point. It's that it's officially not recognised as, yeah. as a fastest lap, which is a bit of a piss take. Um, but... Yeah, it's, it was a ridiculous day. Um, one which we won't get back. Um, Aston Martin F1. Um, really, I'm disappointed with them because of the pink Mercedes they had last year, which, of course, is the silver Mercedes from the year before. And now the green Mercedes this year. Yes. Now... Well, no, it's not the green Mercedes yes, this year. They got slapped on... No, they got slapped on the wrist for doing it's that. It's the same car, Cree. It's not the same. No, but they're an evolution, aren't they? So it's not a completely yeah. different car, isn't it? So, um, but no, I, I would agree with Sean. I think that if you look at where Racing Point were at the end of last year, Point. okay, but we had a <laughs> there was there was good. They had good pace. The car was pretty good, um, and then you had to think that Sebastian Vettel coming into that team was only going to lead to good results. Let's face it. Mm. Um, and then the car's just not been as good. Um, I know they had to change some bits, but I do think that the, a lot of the performance they had at the end of last year just wasn't carried over to this year. Well, I on mean, what should have been more or less exactly the same car. Yeah, I mean the tracing point won the Sake Grand Prix. Yeah. Um, it also came fourth overall, I think. I think you're right. Yeah. Um, but it was just consistently up there all year. Um, and the Aston Martin, now that they've, they're absolutely 100% blaming the floor changes for this year. Uh, the yeah, thing, the F1, the, which everyone agreed with until it didn't suit um, Mercedes and Aston Martin. Yeah. But you have to say, considering they had very, very similar trouble with that to Mercedes, Mercedes didn't have a problem, did they? Let's face it. It was still, for most of the season, probably the quickest car. Mm. Um, yeah. I, look, Aston Martin are saying they want to be championship contenders in the next few years. I personally don't see it happening. Well, I mean, it's a big rule change coming up. We'll see how well they implement that. But We'll see. I don't but know. I don't know. I don't based on this year, I don't know. I don't think so. Um, DTM now becoming GT3 is just basically the, the more of our continuation story of uh, the death of Class 1. Um, and the fact that DTM has now lost its soul, but hey ho. Um, you fall. Sam, <laughs> uh, your CSR year, you've not won a race. No, it's not been great, is it? Um, I'm hoping Class 1 lean, leans more towards me. I mean, if it's I'll... like our testing yesterday, then you should be alright. Fingers crossed. Uh, and Mike Hurd's car. Now, this is a special mention to our friend and, in Sam's case, colleague, Mike Hurd. Yes. Um, now, Mike, what are you doing, son? <laughs> you said... <laughs> <laughs> what car What cars you got, Sam? He's got a, a Mini. It's a Mini Cooper. Okay, so um, it's worth about 20p. Yeah, if that. Um, at the moment, it's worth a lot less than that. <laughs> put it that way. Um Basically, what Mike has done is he wanted to build a nice modified car. So he started with a, I think it was, I'm pretty sure it was standard. It's like a 2005, 2006 Mini Cooper. Um, oh, so a Binder one... No, no, it's a 
1.6 turbo standard. Um, the same and the one series. No, no. Um, <laughs> and uh, and he basically spent loads and loads of money making it fast, and it was a very, to his credit, it was a very fast car until Piston One decided <laughs> that it didn't want to be inside the engine anymore. Piston One. <laughs> I love how that's like the technical name, rather than just saying um, a piston. No, it's, it's piston one. It was. Well, that was he's disassembled the engine now and figured out that it was piston one that blew up. Wow. Um, and then for the last three months, the car has been in a tent at work, being worked on whenever Mike has parts to repair it with. <laughs> now, um, so so this is an expensive part of his life. Um, as you yes, know, as. To many young people, to be fair, cars are an expensive part of their life, full stop. Um, and... Especially so for Mike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, he's, so he's had to make, should we say cuts, to use the um, the Conservative Party's uh, 2010 uh, ideas. Um, yep. And he's basically, he's stripped back on things which are worth something, which, you know, to be fair to him, it's fine. It's, it's, there are worse things he could be doing. Yeah, well, like, like his, his, his methodology is that he needs a car to, to be able to do work. But you, you, so, said, you said he lives like two minutes from the track. He, he does, but he's also he works for he's also doing a bit of car mechanic for a couple of drivers oh, now, okay. so he needs to be able to get to circuits, which he can't at the moment. Because his car's um, Yes, okay. exactly. Um, so he needs to be able to do that, so he needs a car working. Um, but... Yeah, so as a result, being the top mate that I am, I've bought half of his sim rig. Um, <laughs> uh, the other half he sold to uh, Zorba. So <laughs> uh, he, he still has the framework and he still has the computer. So as soon as he's got the car done, he can buy himself a cheap wheel and pedals and come back and race with us. But at the moment, he is without computer or without um... At the very least. I think all from all of us and the CSR community. Mike, we hope you're listening and we hope that you come back soon. Yes. Well, I've told him that he was nominated for this award, so he probably was, was listening to this one. Uh, he was not very pleased. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was very funny and all of the rest of the marshals at work thought it was very funny. But um, but Mike, less so. Okay. This is the guy who had his face at a livery. Yes. Yep. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. Was that TCR? And as the wallpaper, it was, yeah. And as the wallpaper on the reception computer at work as well. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Um, let's move on. Uh, worst innovation of the year. This one's an easy one. It was. Um, so we've got uh, our nominations are Haas again. Um, you know, third time they go, they go. They're going for the triple crown here, boys. You know, they, they really are. Um, uh, Formula One playing more radio than the BBC do. That's a lot of radio. Um, the stupid video game graphics which Formula One use on their cars, which make it look like um, something out of the, like a Namco game in the 90s. Uh, it's awful. I hate it. Um, F1 sprint races. There's, there's a bit of a theme here for this um, for this innovation award, isn't there? Formula One. Mm. Um, Formula Two and Formula Three. Uh, they changed their race schedules this year, so they weren't on the same race weekends as each other. Uh, and now next year, after one year, they're going back to it. That's how it used to be. Yeah. Um, so, Sam, what's the winner? The winner of Worst Innovation of the Year goes to 
Stelvio Automotive yes. for giving it to Haas again. No innovation. No no changes. No, yep. No no award. So um, Sean, here is your award, Sean. Thank you. So um I I, ex I expect an acceptance speech. Well, I, I accept this award. Classic Kimmy. Um <laughs> I, I gave it much effort to have to do with their car this year. There you go. No innovation whatsoever in that speech. Exactly. Um, Let's move on to Crash of the Year. Well deserving. <laughs> but yeah, this is actually, this is an award that we only really thought of this afternoon. You say to we. Be honest. Chris did. I, I yeah. did. Um, so we have a few nominations for Crash of the Year, but the definition of Crash of the Year was <laughs> a dramatic shunt where none of the drivers or riders were injured because so, that wouldn't example, be fair as I mentioned earlier, like Spa, we had the W Series and uh, Jack Aitken's massive crash, they both drivers came out of that properly injured, so we didn't, we thought, you know being you nice, want to, okay, yeah. we didn't want to choose them no, so the no, you can't, you can't do that the nominations are, well, actually I'm going, to, I'm going to get rid of the first one because technically Max was injured but Silverstone is on the list, but not really uh, Max and Lewis at Monza Max and Lewis at Saudi Arabia. Um, NASCAR Daytona 500 final lap. Uh, the Moto3 Cota race. And Alistair Walker's internet at the CSR NASCAR race at the last race. <laughs> ring. I mean, that yeah. gets an honorable mention. No, no, it should also be Al's internet during the Daytona 24 hours. Yeah, basically, yeah, crack yeah, of the year goes to Al's internet um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> as a, as a nomination. But who won this this prestigious category, Cree? Uh, it was uh, the winner was uh, the Motor Three Crash at Cota because I don't know how. So the, basically, you've got kids on one two five cc single cylinder engine bikes doing about one hundred and twenty miles an hour down the back straight at Cota. All slipstreaming each other because they've got no horsepower, uh, and unfortunately, one of the riders overtakes another rider. And as he pulls back into the slipstream, he clips the front wheel of the rider behind him, and all hell breaks loose, causing I think the bike which he clipped fell over like horizontally. Someone, I think it was the championship leader, rode over the top of it, and he must have flown about. A quarter of a mile down the road, <laughs> but you almost stuck the landing. How so he it's okay? Well, this is the thing that got me: is his bike went into the barrier, but he just skated down the road. Nobody collected him, and then consequently, because of that little incident, a lot of riders behind them had their own accidents, and they all sort of like skittled down the road. How nobody got injured is just. I remember watching it live and thinking, somebody's dead, somebody's dead, somebody's got to be dead, because that's just horrific. Uh, and they all just got up and walked away. If it had been... A, I mean, we've seen bad accidents about a GP. Um, I'm thinking of some of the deaf ones, but... Um, yeah, it was pretty bad a couple of years ago. Yeah, that was bad. But if, there had been a, if it wasn't down the middle of the straight, I think it would have been worse. If oh, I think you're yeah. right. I think it could have been a lot worse if there was anything for them to slide into yeah. because of where they were there was nothing really in front of them so they could although they might have bounced off of a wall they're kind of they're not going to stop if that makes sense they've got time to actually slow down if that like the, the momentum <laughs> yeah could it took them half a while and, to do it <laughs> yes but on on a very wet grand prix circuit so it was going to um take a little while it was dry no it was wet wasn't it i oh, thought it was wet um no fair enough then 
Um, I think the one you opened up was Austria last year. That one was. Uh, that could, yeah, that could be it actually. Um, but um, but no, I thought it was it was a, a pretty big shunt really, and like, like Chris said, it was a miracle really that no one was injured. I, I think uh, the only reason that I chose this was, or that I nominated this was, there's been a couple of unfortunate deaths in the lower categories of, of motorbike racing. Not, you know, that's that's been quite unfortunate, and I think this incident just kind of emphasised that, albeit we had some you know very unfortunate deaths it still shows that motorbike racing is you know there is a high level of safety in it in that you can have one of these 120 mile an hour crashes down the main straight smack on the road and go you know quarter of a mile down it and just get up and walk away yeah it does show that the quality of like the things like the helmets and the leathers and everything is is very high um yeah, yeah. so when things do go really badly wrong there is clearly um a reason behind it that needs investigating but on this a case it was it was fine yeah the airbags are quite funny because they're walking around like they're the hulk like michelin men yeah <laughs> michelin men yeah. but no I, the bloke who caused the incident i think got a two race ban which is rightly so but it was it's, it kind of is it is harsh considering that he didn't really know much about it but at the end of the day he should have been a bit more aware of where he was and what he was did kind on. of take the guy's front wheel off didn't yeah, it he wasn't so, deliberate. it wasn't like Romano Fernandes it wasn't deliberate it wasn't deliberate but um, but you have to nip that sort of thing in the bud I suppose don't you and that's probably he's been a bit of a scapegoat there and they've punished him well, overly it, harsh so that no one else does it I think it was the weekend after um, Maverick Vinales, his cousin was killed. Oh right, yeah. Can you imagine your cousin? You know, he's gone. Maverick Vinales, I think, missed the weekend because he was with his family, rightly so. Mm. But can you imagine the, you know, FIM, the motorcycle organisation? They've just had, you know, a couple of riders killed and a famous name has had his cousin killed, and then a rider has just caused an almighty accident. Yeah, you're gonna. Unfortunately, you're gonna come down on him quite heavy. Yeah, you're gonna, you have to really, don't you? But it's it's one of those things. Um, so second place in this one, apart from Al, because he he he's the spiritual winner, um, was the NASCAR Daytona 500 crash. So I'll explain that one. Yeah, so the, the Daytona 500 is obviously a 500 mile race. It's 200 laps, um, and this happened on turn three of the last lap. So there's literally one more corner to go. Um, it was Joey Logano who was leading. Behind him was his teammate at Penske, um, Brad Kozlowski. Um, and yeah, coming into turn three, Kozlowski got a bit of a bump um, from, who was it? It was the number 34, but I can't remember his name now. Um, who then gave a bit of a bump to Joey Logano, which is all fine normally in NASCAR, but because he bumped him on the wrong side coming into the corner, that made Logano spin from the lead um also took Kozlowski out as well um the third place driver managed to get through unscathed and went on to win the race but um the yeah the two Penske boys basically caused probably a I think there was something like 12 to 15 cars involved in this crash in turn three and a massive fireball um well yeah because um as, as Sean so eloquently put it, that NASCAR, which was, he was talking about Braz Kozlowski's car, that NASCAR has become a hatchback <laughs> um, because there was nothing left of the rear subframe. Um, it was just smashed to pieces. Um, but again, remarkably, all the drivers 
once they were cleared to exit the car, did exit the car. So it was fine. Um, yeah, it was all good. Um, but it wasn't one of those things where you'd watch the entire race, which had been not uneventful, but um, relatively calm up to that point. And then it all went absolutely berserk on the last lap, um, which happens quite often at the 500. But, um, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see what this year brings with the new cars. Mm. Let's move on to that. So the final category is not that that's the final award given out there to Motor Free Kota. Um but our final category doesn't have a winner as such. It's more of a it's our one to watch in 2022. Uh where we basically say what's to look forward to, more or less. It's pretty self-explanatory. Um <clears throat> so uh let's just go through them as as we put them on, really. My number one thing to look out for next year is Dennis Hauger in Formula Two. Uh from Norway. He's gonna be going to be very interesting to see how he does is he with um prema he must be um would have thought so i think last i checked he wasn't actually signed yet but he's definitely going to formula two um yeah well, he won won formula three this year didn't he in his first first attempt he won f3 so yeah. um basically he's norwegian like my brethren um and uh, <laughs> my 116th brethren um <laughs> and he's he's gonna absolutely smash so there i think he's gonna be really good uh, one to watch out for. Uh, Roman Grosjean, we've discussed already, going to Andretti. Um, if he doesn't win a race next year, I'm going to be so disappointed. Same, same. Um, who else? Uh, George Russell going to Mercedes. Yep, the same for him, I think. He needs to at least win at least one or two next year, I would have thought. He's currently looking at most, is it looking about four and a half to six to one for the championship next year? Um, if I get a good six to one odds, I'm going to put a bet on. But uh, so that means it would mean he'll come second. So there you go. Uh, <laughs> Ferrari, both for their Formula One with the new cars and also um, their WEC. We're going to see uh, because Peugeot and by Collins, we'll get to them. They're both coming into WEC next year. But Ferrari, they're going to be having a lot of their operational stuff sorted out next year uh, for 2023. So we'll be looking forward to what they come up with for that. Uh, Persian by cards, as I say, they're both going to be having their cars ready to ready to go next year. Uh, the WRC Rally One regs, um, basically the end of the current formula and the new stuff. So I'm sure Al will give us some um, some good insights onto that yeah. next year. Hybrid rally cars. Mm. Um, I have heard. I don't know how true this is, but I have heard that the new Rally One cars have got something like 800 brake horsepower. Really. Which is m like absolute madness, that's, but that's about four hundred more than you need. Yes, yeah. So they're going to be really, really fast, and they've got a lot less aero than they do this year. So we'll see. Hmm. Okay, not sure about that one, but we'll see about that. Uh, Cree, Nissan. Oh yeah, my pick was just, well, yeah, my pick was just the fact that you had Godzilla retiring, and now is from the ashes of his retirement, he's got a new he's got a new ride in the Nissan four hundred Z Super GT car, which just looks immense it looks like it's going to do well um will it take it to the supras and the lsx i don't think it'll have as a i can't see it having a as a successful season as the supra did in its first season but it's not going to be far off i mean it's the first new car nissan's brought for 13 14 years so do nissan as a brand need it to do well um um no because they don't really do cars anymore. They do trucks, and that's about it. <laughs> and crappy you know, this, it's a halo car, so yes, it does need to do well. 
Um, it's a halo car. I mean, it's not an international series as much as I'd like it to be. You know, not many people do know about Super GT, but from a domestic level, it's it's going up against the likes of your cheap, um, your uh, your Toyota GD eighty sixes and your BRZs and your and your Supras. You know, from a domestic point of view, the Japanese still love a good sports car. So I think domestically, yes, it does need to do quite well. We'll, we'll yeah, talk, I would talk. agree. There is going to be a podcast or an article, haven't decided yet, next year about um, the Nissan, Renault, and Mitsubishi alliance, but uh, we'll come on to that later on. Uh, Sam? Yes. Uh, so the next-gen NASCAR is coming in just a couple of months' time for the Daytona 500. Um, these are completely different to the outgoing cars. These are and I quote, much, much more modern. Which is not what? a car, do not they, a word you hear much in NASCAR. They have a six-speed sequential. <laughs> Pushing it, Six-speed sequential box. A proper rear suspension setup. What, not leaf springs? Not leaf springs, no. Proper multi-link um, rear suspension. It's all carbon fibre. Um, there's a lot less, and this is a recurring theme, I think. There's a lot less upper body downforce, um, a lot more diffuser led downforce, which means the cars can follow even closer. Um, they've got a more powerful engine, they're running 670 horsepower, whereas this year most of the tracks are using 500 brake horsepower, um, and better tyres, single nut wheels. Central oh, center lock what? wheels. No. Why are they doing that? They got center lock wheels that's rather than silly. the five studs. Um, yeah, which so that's is you almost convinced me to watch NASCAR now, but now I'm not going to bother. Ah, well, it's a bit, it's a bit controversial that last bit. A lot of people are saying that they don't like the new IndyCar um, because, like, on NASCAR forums, basically trying to say, well, this is not a stock car anymore. It's like, well, actually, it hasn't really been a stock car for about thirty years, but <laughs> we'll gloss over that. Um, Let's move on to something far more relevant, uh, the new F1 car. Yep. Again, same thing. Much less upper body downforce, much more underbody downforce and ground effect. I think it's going to be interesting. What do you boys think? I think that we're going to have a new whole podcast for that in the next few weeks. Oh, well, there we go. <laughs> yeah. I, I personally think it's going to be... I think it'll be the biggest change in F1 since 2009. That's going to be a um, and, 2000, and 2009 threw up the rule book. You know, you had Ferrari and McLaren being top guns. Now you've got, and then you had obviously Braun in the first year, and then Red Bull for the next four years. So, um, yeah, I think it's going to be incredibly exciting. See, I, I disagree with that, but that's um, that's our uh, sort of preview to next the next the next podcast, I think, because I don't think this rule set's going to be as big a change as we think. Um, mm. Lastly, the next gen supercars. This is Aussie V8 supercars. They used to be known. They're not called that anymore. Um, they've also got new cars which well i think it's a similar it's a similar change to what they're doing with nascar they're just upgrading everything and uprating it and basically there's been some controversy over should they have a sequential gearbox should they have flappy paddles you know which one are they going to go for um a couple have thrown the rings and said well what's the point in having a fake sequential if it's just the same as a flappy paddle and all you're doing is pulling a lever as opposed to actually having a sequential gearbox and sort of on the aussie theme um, just a, a word on S5000 is they've got a few XF1 drivers in there now. I think oh. uh, um, Roberto Mary is now driving an yeah. S5000. It'll be interesting to see um, how 
because I think Rubens Barrichello had a crack at it once and he did all right. Fisichella was there as well. Um, sorry? Fisichella was in S500 5000 as well. Was he? I didn't realise. Um, and yeah, and as I said, Roberto Meri's had a crack at it. And I think another driver, but I can't remember his name. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how the that side of the world does when it, with its uh, racing. Hmm. I actually thought the next-gen supercar was coming in 2023, but I could be wrong. The reason I say it's, it's one to watch is I've seen quite a lot of it. It might not necessarily be coming next year, but it's certainly what... You, you know the testing phase and sort of like the, the oh development yeah the developments though the they, they ran it they ran both the new ones the ford because it's a ford mustang which is controversial and even more controversially it's a chevrolet camaro Ugh. not a commodore holden commodore that's, that's being run don't exist anymore cheers General well, Rogers. yeah and on that um, happy note <laughs> i've done that for there's one more there's one more there's All one right, more that's right, on a bit uh, BTCC's hybrid touring car. I think oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's a happy note. Yeah, okay, cool. Um, yeah. Yeah, BTCC. That would be interesting. I'm going to try and go to a few races this year, I think, for British touring car, because they're going to be quite in- interesting. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. I think that's going to be... The car looked pretty quick. I, I went to see it at Silverstone when it ran on the Silverstone National round. The hi- the hybrid ran um, as, like, an exhibition, not really part of the race, but uh, in the race. And it looked pretty good. It looked fast. It sounded cool. Um, and yeah, was that the Corolla? Happy. That would have been yeah. That was the Corolla, which is a cool looking car anyway yeah. in pretty TCC spec. So I like the Corolla. Um, yeah, it's a nice car. Um, and we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. There's a few team changes as well in British Touring Car. I reckon we might have to do a pod um, just on just on that. And we'll, yeah, I'll be up um, And we'll get get Zorba involved. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, that's going to do it for Steve Wilson in 2021. What a year we've had, and what a year we expect to have next year. Uh, I might even bother writing an article next year. You know, I haven't bothered since about June. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you very much to Sam and Cree and Al, and who else has joined us this year? Monty, the CSR boys, everyone, yeah, who, ev- everyone who's mm-hmm. made everyone who's made um, Steve Automotive what it is this year. Uh, we've Hopefully, by the time this comes out, we've reached 2,000 listens on our podcast, which is just ridiculous. Uh, so all of you fools who are listening to my rantings, um, good on you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we'll see you in 2022. Take care and goodbye. Certainly will. Thank Bye. you. Goodbye.